Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. I'm Andrew Wheeler. And I'm Shane Harlan. For our landmark 007th episode, we wanted to look ahead to the future of the James Bond franchise. Daniel Craig's last movie is just around the corner, so where will the franchise go next? Who is the next Bond? Could there be more than one? And can 007 be disentangled from James Bond? Is there room for the world's favourite spy on the small screen? We're going to unpack it all, share our completely uninformed opinions about <laughs> all of it. But before we get into it, Shane, have you been up to anything very Bondy this week? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's been an action-packed week for myself. Well, we're still no. on uh, month nine of lockdown, uh, <laughs> so I am reveling in all of the gifts I received from my family and friends over the holidays, which by the time this comes out will have been long past, yes. uh, <laughs> but I, I still want to share them anyway because I'm a child at heart. Uh, so <laughs> One of my favorite items, and I think ties in really lovely to this episode, is a cute little uh, pop uh, Funko figure, uh, Daniel Craig's James Bond from Casino Royale. Uh, it was given to me by my wonderful husband, Aww. and he's just an adorable little addition to my little uh, toy collection. Oh, that's nice. Which version of uh, of Daniel Craig? Like, what's he wearing? Oh, he's wearing the gorgeous blue tuxedo. He's holding his little Walter PPK up in the air. <laughs> he's got the blonde hair and the dark eyes. It's he's. Well, dark eyes because he's a Funko Pop. Yes. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't give him blue giant eyes, but I'll allow it because he's just so adorable. <laughs> I think all Funko Pops have those black button eyes, regardless of who they are. It's it's a funny thing. It is a funny thing. It seems like such an easy thing that they could replace. But I, I digress. Yeah. I, I love my little toy. I love all of my toys. So that's the bondiest thing I have. Uh, how about you, Andrew? Oh, that's so cute. I uh, have been thinking about death. What could be more bondy than that? <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, that's totally fair. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, This is our second episode of the new year, but it's actually the first time we've sat down to record in 2021. Um, and I thought with the recent passing of both Tanya Roberts, who starred in A View to a Kill, mm. and Michael Apted, who directed The World is Not Enough, this feels like an apt time to reflect on some of the people that we've lost. Absolutely. So. Yeah, in 2020, we saw the deaths of Sean Connery, Anna Blackman, and Diana Rigg. Those are, to my mind, three of the most iconic performers in the universe of Bond. Like, they are leaps and bounds the most important figures, I think, to me personally, in the Bond pantheon. There aren't many legends left. Like, from the early days of the Bond movies, we don't have many, many figures of sort of great stature. Ursula Andress is in her 80s. Shirley Bassey is in her 80s. Oh, wow. We have reached a point in history where all of the classic Bonds of the 60s and the 70s, all of those people are going to be leaving us. And it's, uh, you know, it's a new year and it's a time to reflect. And as we're looking ahead to the future of Bond, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of the performers who have given me so much joy over the years, given both of us so much joy, and whose work will stay with us in the years to come. Yes, here's to them. Uh, and I <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, this is what you were going to reflect on. I really <laughs> appreciate it. And actually, this kind of really leads into, I think our cocktail pick. I don't want to be gauche, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to get right to it. Uh, Please. 
you know, every episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we recommend a cocktail. Usually Andrew introduces and I would have presented the drink, but because I've already ruined that part of it, I'm just going to go right <laughs> into it. Uh, so this week I picked the last word uh, and I don't think anything could be more appropriate. It's a drink from the days of Prohibition uh, and it was only revived uh, pretty recently in kind of the early 2000s. Um, during like the time of the cocktail renaissance, essentially, uh, it had been written down in um, in a, an old bar book uh, in Seattle's Zigzag Cafe, uh, and it was uh, that was written back in 1951. Um, and then I guess this drink kind of disappeared from the earth, uh, and it was picked up. This manual was picked up in 2004, and someone said, "Hey, that sounds uh, pretty interesting." Uh, and sure enough, it is. So, uh, Andrew, I sent you a little care package. I'll have you taste right now while I describe what went into this cocktail. I filled a cocktail shaker with ice. I poured in uh, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of gin, three quarters of an ounce of maraschino liqueur, and three quarters of an ounce of green chartreuse. I gave it a good shake until the cocktail shaker was cold as ice, and I would pour it into a coupe glass if I had one handy, but for now it is in a <laughs> a classic mason jar. And you'll notice that this drink is strange. <laughs> it is an odd one. Um, it is actually, I'm, I'm very fond of the last word. I, I didn't realize how sort of recently it had been uh, given new prominence. Mm. Yeah. But it is a drink that, you know, and it's also like, I mean, last episode I was complaining about how I wasn't going to buy a bottle of maraschino. I, and then I went out and did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have to buy green chartreuse. Like these are two drinks that you wouldn't normally casually stock in a bar. No, uh, certainly not a home bar. Yeah, it's a very particular cocktail. It's quite a demanding one on the wallet. Uh, it, it was. <laughs> this is definitely the most expensive cocktail I've made to date. Um, I mean, <laughs> the good thing about this is that like, maraschino liqueur and green chartreuse how often am i going to use them and how much of it am i going to use at a time probably not a lot i have a feeling these yeah. will sit in my bar for a good amount of time and uh i am going to leech their worth trust me we are going to get a lot of cocktail things <laughs> in the next few months uh that involve either maraschino liqueur or green chartreuse the gin i chose is actually as close to bathtub gin as i could find as well <laughs> I got us an overproof from, I believe it's called Boatyard Rum. Gin. Gins, thank you. <laughs> I really actually love the last word. I, I drank a lot of them last year because I bought a bottle of green chartreuse and a bottle of maraschino <laughs> liqueur. And it's like, this is what you'll end up making over and over again if you have those things. Like, there are other cocktails that use both. Oh, but, but it's I think so it's just, delicious. Like, it's a very sophisticated flavor. It has a lovely vegetal flavor from the chartreuse. Mm -hmm. It has a lovely dryness, which I think comes from the maraschino. And a great sour-sweet combination, thanks to the maraschino and the lime juice. It's Yeah, it really hits everything on the palate. It's herbal, it's earthy, it's zesty, it's sweet. I Yeah, I really love this. Maraschino liqueur is such a peculiar drink because it is like it's a sweetener. It sweetens drinks, but it also has that dry earthiness mm -hmm. to it. It's a very complex thing. I tried all of the components on their own because I never I realized I'd never had either green chartreuse or maraschino uh, liqueur on their own. Uh, and yeah, I was surprised at how earthy the mm -hmm. maraschino was. Yeah, it was like really bold and yeah, a very rich flavor. Totally unexpected. Yeah, I highly recommend this drink. Uh, look it up. Uh, and enjoy the last word. And here's to all of the amazing Bond actors, producers, directors, 
all of the people that we've lost in 2020. Yeah. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. That was a clip from the trailer for No Time to Die, the final Daniel Craig movie. We don't know when this movie is really going to come out. Hopefully in 2021. I'm I'm primed and ready. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it when it does come out, that's for sure. But we, yeah, we have no confidence in movies actually getting released when they say they're going to be released. But when No Time to Die comes out, it will be the final Daniel Craig movie. And I think it's likely that they will go into production within a year, probably on the next Bond. Barbara Broccoli has said that they're not going to announce the next Bond until after that movie is out of the way. I think that's a good decision, personally. I think it's a good decision. Yeah, she, <laughs> she doesn't want to detract from, and it's like, this movie has already had enough problems. She doesn't want to detract from No Time to Die's uh, PR push. Or have people getting used to the idea of a new Bond before they said goodbye to the old one. But it does mean that we don't know when we're going to get that announcement. And when that announcement comes, it's going to be a big deal. Do you think we're going to see that by the end of the year? I hope so. I hope so. I think I think it will come within a, a, a few months because I think they will want to go into production pretty quickly. Yeah. Assuming they have something written. I mean, maybe they don't. But then again, we've all been in lockdown for a year at this point. <laughs> I'm sure they've solicited a script. It's not like they don't know if they're going to make another movie. So. I would be very surprised. And this, I guess this might actually mean that this could be one of the shorter turnarounds between bonds certainly that we've had in the last couple of decades i guess the shortest turnaround would have been connery to lazenby back to connery mm-hmm. again uh, where there was what only a year two years in between those films at most i can yeah certainly see them trying to push out a new bond film pretty quickly after no time to die and i I hate to even mention it but i worry that the reviews are not going to be kind to this movie it's been (laughs) sitting languishing in development hell for so long we know all of the problems leading up to it which i believe we've discussed in in other episodes i worry that this is not going to be the critical darling you or i will want (laughs) yeah that's possible i'm i keep clinging clinging to that the superstitious idea that odd-numbered Craig movies mm, are good ones. Yes. <laughs> we get a good one, a bad one, a good one, a bad one. This I, should be a good one, but of course that's nonsense. And I also think because it's been so long between this Craig movie and the previous one, that's another reason why they want to, you know, they want to make money. They want to be generating these films. They didn't want this film to be coming out so many years after the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the fact that they had the writer's strike interfere with Quantum of Solace, like it's been a... It's been a mess. What a rough ride Daniel Craig has had for someone who's been one of my favorite Bonds. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's remarkable. So I think I think they want to push production, especially as we enter into this sort of new era of bigger franchises and, mm. and how important it is. You know, you want to try and get people into theaters. Well, Bond is one of the people who can do that. So you know, the, the people behind Bond will want to have a movie ready to go, like when 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 we're trying to get over covid as a culture i want them to be ready (laughs) to so okay let's talk about the next james bond um what do we think a bond needs to be you know who, who does the actor need to be to play that role because there are certain considerations the biggest ones being age and nationality where people have strong ideas about it but do we agree with those strong ideas well i mean in my mind bond is in his mid thirties uh, mm-hmm. to early forties, uh, he is suave and sophisticated. 
Uh, he knows how to wear a suit. He knows how to get down and dirty. Uh, he is a fighter. He is ruthless. He is charming. And I've said he a lot, but I don't <laughs> don't know for me if that is a make or break. I can certainly envision this person uh, being transmasculine, being a feminine person, being femme, being a woman. Like James <laughs> Bond doesn't need to be what we have seen exclusively at this point you know maybe in the early history of bond certainly they would never consider anything other than a white englishman uh pre-19 oh <laughs> pre-2000 uh <laughs> like that just would not be in our lexicon of understanding but now that we've kind of entered this new world where we're starting to shrug off old norms i would love to see them turn bond into something unexpected you know yeah, and I think there is the capacity for that. Like, there is, you know, I've written in the notes, there is the capacity for, like, parallel bonds. I think we've reached the point where one of the ways you can expand on this franchise is to have more than one bond in production. And that does allow you, like, that gives you much more um, bandwidth to play around. Not that you would need to have that bandwidth, I don't think, personally, to play around and have a, a femme bond or a female bond or bonds of various backgrounds. But that's it makes it more likely to happen. If that's if that's the case, if there's more than one Bond at a time, then again, there is something sacred about Bond that having two people play the same character the way that people do with Batman um, would be would be tricky, you know, simultaneously. I think I think there is, I, I can understand there being reluctance about that. Um, we do know from Barbara Broccoli that she doesn't think a woman should play the role. That that, that is the like official view of the franchise holders. Um, that they are open to the idea of a person of color playing Bond, but not a woman. They feel like that makes Bond a different character. Um, I don't agree, but I, I understand the argument. We yes, will look at we will look at some uh, some candidates uh, during this podcast that I think would be would be great Bonds in terms of nationality. You know, you said you said they wouldn't have a non English actor play it, but of course they have. It's just the well, character yeah. remains the character remains English or. British, you know, he has Commonwealth. <laughs> they must be of the Commonwealth. <laughs> yeah, as a a Scottish parent and a Swiss parent, I think is what Ian Fleming originally or uh, eventually determined. I believe even that was a retcon, so that uh, yeah, could get away with um, Sean Connery being kind of the poster boy of Bond before Fleming uh, right. passed away. Uh, but yes, I believe Bond was always meant to be, you know, of the UK, particularly of England, like at least raised, uh, in the prestigious schools. Uh, yes. Yeah. He should, he should really have an English accent, although Sean Connery didn't. Um, (laughs) Well, we've already uh, discussed Sean Connery never had an English accent in anything. That's true. That's true. (laughs) So we've had three English bonds. One has been Scottish. So four British altogether. Uh, we've had an Australian and we've had an Irishman and Ireland is not in the Commonwealth. So, Oh, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very true. that, That does break the, uh, the trope, but, that still all you know fits very comfortably into uh an a very northern european shall we say uh anglo centric even if not necessarily english uh mold so it seems likely that we'll we'll stick with someone like that could an american play bond that's one of the big like there've been people considered for the role many times over um and i think if you're an american playing bond you have to be able to get the accent really really right um Otherwise, it would be like having uh, an Englishman play Captain America. It would just... <laughs> it would feel wrong. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I totally agree. Uh, and I mean, Americans have definitely been up for the part before, as you've said. Uh, was it Burt Reynolds was one of the first uh, thought yeah. to replace Connery in the 70s? Can you imagine, like, would Burt Reynolds have just been Burt Reynolds? Like, would you think he would have tried to do an English accent? And what would, like, what would that look like? Yeah, there's a great Wikipedia page called List of Actors Considered for the James Bond Character. Character is an interesting choice of words, yeah. not role. The character. So Dick Van Dyke is in there. Oh boy. Um, we know, and we know how his accent has uh, played <laughs> out in the past. Great. John Gavin, who is uh, very American, I think, ended up being a Republican politician. Um, so, and not him. Flashingly <laughs> handsome, but no. James Brolin. Oh boy. Yeah. Very gruff. Mel Gibson. Oof. Oh wow. Some of these choices did not age well. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Um, Ranulph Fiennes is a really interesting one because he was a an explorer, not an actor at all. This is um, Rafe Fiennes' cousin, maybe? Oh, really? Third cousin, yeah. Ranulph Fiennes is the third cousin of Rafe Fiennes. He was a British Army officer and a an explorer, and he never acted in anything, but he was considered for the role of James Bond. <laughs> Very odd. They, Very I mean, odd. they use that kind of casting capability when they're hiring uh, the women of Bond sometimes. Well, <laughs> she's, she's never appeared in absolutely anything. Oh, and even they've done that with a Bond. Lazenby, they've done that before. So, you know, yeah. it, it's not out of the norm to bring in someone who this would be their first role. They love to take a chance. Lazenby at least was a model, like he did. He had some work on camera, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the age of Bond, uh, yeah, I think you're right that like 30s to, to 40s is the right age that you expect Bond to be. 36 is, is, like, is the number that comes in my head. It's arbitrary, right. but it feels like <laughs> he's he's just past that point of, he's at the he's at what my mother would call the height of his earning power. He's in the prime of his life. <laughs> what, a, what a way to phrase it. Um, <laughs> Hi, Mom. I know she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. So I think for that reason, you want to really cast an actor that's got some, some legs, like someone that can do three movies at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you cast someone as old as Roger Moore was, which was 45 years old, um, which I take some solace from knowing that I'm not yet too old <laughs> to be cast as James Bond. still a chance. Yeah. There's still a chance. <laughs> but, but I would say, no, that's too old. I think Roger Moore was too old. He was 57 at his oldest in the role. And you can see it. Like he, I mean, Roger Moore obviously ages the hardest across his uh, slate yeah. of films. Um, but by his fourth outing, it was really taking a toll. And there were far less... Uh, I mean, he could do no none of the stunts at that point anyway. And his fourth outing is what? Still like halfway through his run? Exactly. So it gets... <laughs> I mean, oh, I can't wait for us to get to Octopussy and... <laughs> That view to a kill. <laughs> Daniel Craig was 38 when he was cast. He was 51 or thereabouts when he filmed No Time to Die. Aye, aye, aye. That's like that's skewing older than I think we should want someone to be. Uh, you know, Sean Connery was 32 when he took the role. He was 41 when he left the role. That actually feels like great. Perfect. <laughs> and I'm we're we're going to talk a lot more about Doctor No in the next episode, but. Yep. Wow, looking at a 32-year-old Sean Connery, right? <laughs> he's I mean, he does not look 32. No, he looks like he sh- he looks like he's 36 to 38 in that film. <laughs> yeah. He really does. He really does. And he managed to just hold on to looking like that for most of his run for nearly 10 years. Not time it's forever, but <laughs> and certainly not uh, never say never again. No. <laughs> 
Um, Lazenby was only 29, and there have been other actors in their 20s that have been considered for the role, including Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, yeah, and Henry Cavill uh, were all up for the role when they were in their 20s. So it's not off the table. It's something that, that the filmmakers have looked at in the past. Truly, this means that Bond can be anyone. They have pretty much laid it out themselves. They, and they've courted the idea of uh, a black Bond before. Uh, mm-hmm. Col- Colin Salmon, who appears in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough, uh, was uh, considered strongly to uh, replace Timothy Dalton at the time uh, before they decided to go with their original choice of Pierce Brosnan. And that, and I think he was one of the favorites actually. Uh, but of course the, I think the old boys club won out in the end in that casting decision. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things to remember about Bond is he doesn't need to be someone who's already famous. Like Colin Salmon was not a big star, but Daniel Craig also was not a big star when he got the role. Oh, certainly. Um, Sean Connery had barely acted when he got the role. You don't need to be a household name because the Bond name is household. It's so similar to the you know the Marvel uh, movies. Certainly, when they were starting out, apart from um, Robert Downey Jr., who was a risky person to cast, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth were not well-known actors. Like people knew who Chris Evans was, they didn't know who Chris Hemsworth was or who Tom uh, Hiddleston was when they were cast. And now try not being a Hiddleston or a Hemsworth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're in everything, um, and and they have both been talked about as possible bonds. So we will we will get to that. So, but yeah, you, you, the person that gets cast could be someone we're not even thinking of, someone we don't even know. It's likely that there'll be like. They will have some acting experience. Their, their name will be known by someone, but but they may not be the big stars that we're expecting. Should we should we take a look at some of these white boys? Yeah, let's bring out the white boys. <laughs> I made a I made a nice little shared document uh, for Shane to look at with a bunch of the contenders. I'm so appreciative because I have not seen many of these people before. <laughs> I picked pictures of uh, handsome boys in tuxedos uh, to share. This is a hard day of recording, ladies and gentlemen. I've got <laughs> a cocktail plus another waiting for our second recording. I've got pictures of boys in front of me. I've got my toys beside me. It's <laughs> This is a very hard job. Anyways, let's talk about these beautiful men yeah so first on the list is tom hardy because tom hardy of course has already been linked to the role uh to the extent that people thought he had been cast there was a rumor that went around around november i think it was uh, that he had locked in the role i don't think it came from a reputable source no certainly not because look at his age he is 43 and tom hardy i will always love you you are one of the first men like i openly had a crush on <laughs> you're 43 it's just it's well past the point where he could do more than three films uh successfully as we've already discussed again i love tom hardy i think he's great and he is you know he's very sexy he's very talented uh he's very physical mm-hmm. uh, he would definitely be on the rough uh, rougher end of a bond that I, I think he can do elegant if he wants to but i don't think he often wants to no i don't think so either you know when you look back at him in in what was it in insurrection the star trek movie that he was in i watched it recently nemesis nemesis um and there is something sort of plummy and queer and and uh pinched about him back then uh that does lend itself to sort of the posher end of bond but nowadays like he looks like he's he's run through several walls you know (laughs) yes i mean he's venom he's uh he is a very 
oily, dirty, kind of dark crime fighter in those movies. Mm. And I feel that's kind of tied to his personality a bit. He's rough around the edges. He's not so polished. Uh, And yeah, those are great qualities in a Bond, but I feel like the series is going to take a left turn from Daniel Craig. I don't think Tom Hardy is a left turn. I think Tom Hardy is a straight line. Well, an even straighter line than that would be James Norton, who is the the current bookie's favorite, I think. Oh, really? to, To take on the role. What do I recognize him from? Well, he hasn't been in a great many things, so I'm, I don't know. I mean, well, I say he hasn't been in a great many things. He has been in a great many things, but he hasn't been the lead in a great many ah. things. Um, he's one of those actors who has been in, you know, he's been in period dramas. He had a, uh, TV show called Grantchester, I think it's called, where he's a priest or a vicar who, like, I think solves small rural murders in the sort of cozy BBC afternoon. Uh, murder <laughs> mystery sort of mold. Yep, um, sounds about right. And you know he's a he's a stunningly handsome, broad-chested, blonde, well, kind of blondish redhead. Um, he's English. He's thirty-five years old. Like he's perfect. Yeah, he's, he's so perfect. perfect that he could actually just slide right in and be the Daniel Craig. Like you almost wouldn't notice that Daniel Craig had been recast. Exactly. You just think, oh, he looks younger suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> Great work. Lots of filler. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you want to go for like the least friction possible, James Norton is the direction they're going. But you're saying you don't think that's the direction they'll take. No, I feel like when they reboot this series, uh, they tend to uh, do something a little unexpected. Apart from maybe uh, when they brought in Lazenby, who was supposed to just be a younger version of Connery. Uh, When they went over to Moore, all of a sudden he was sandy haired. Uh, and he was, and it was funnier, and it was more tongue in cheek uh, than it had been. Uh, Dalt, when we went to Dalton, it became a lot harder, a lot grittier, uh, and then back to Brosden, where again it became a bit campy, uh, mm-hmm. and then and Daniel Craig currently just being uh, so rough and tumble. Uh, so I imagine that the pendulum is either going to swing uh, back to a campy Bond, which I I can't imagine that's what they want to do anymore no uh more likely i think it is going to be uh a more sophisticated bond uh a more charming bond i mean i still really (laughs) it's my idea so of course i love it but i really envision them making it more of a period piece set in the cold war than it being right uh something present day uh either could work but i feel like if if they're going to stick with a white boy, they better give us a, a good reason for it to be that way. <laughs> right. And making a period does give you a good reason because you wouldn't have a, a, a high level English spy who was a person of color in that position, I think. Or you you could, but it would become the story. Exactly. They don't, I don't think they would want that to be the, I mean, I'm speaking for the producers, but we already know <laughs> they're a little conservative. I imagine they would have a very yeah. hard time with that. Yeah, I'm all for, you know, having a a period Bond who is black or South Asian and they don't explain it or make it part of the story at all. How wonderful would that be? But also to make it a story would be interesting too. Like there's a lot of valid ways to go. So if they do go for the the sort of sophisticated, elegant Bond, um, the other two boys I've got in this this top tier here, Aiden Turner... I think looks very like the sort of the Hoagie Carmichael, mm-hmm. James Bond of the novels. And if you were doing a period novel adaptation, I think Aiden Turner is spot on. And we haven't mentioned, I mean, he's always been one of my favorites for this role. Uh, I loved watching him in the Tudors way back when, mm-hmm. and he's just risen to, I mean, above and beyond as Superman. Uh, Henry Cavill, 
uh, who yeah. I can't believe is only 37 as well. Uh, that's really surprising. I thought for sure he was like over 40 at this point. He's just been around a long time, I yeah, feel like. At yeah. that point. like. Or, you know, as gays, we've been aware of him for a <laughs> Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember him when he was like a twinkish 20-year-old and being like, oh, hello, who is this? <laughs> so, so, yeah, so 17 years of Henry Cavill worship, and, and it feels like he's an institution at this point. He has been considered for the role before. As we said, he was considered opposite, you know, when Daniel Craig was up for it. Similarly, he was considered for Superman before he got Superman. Like, mm-hmm. he was... He was passed over, I think, for, for the Brandon Roof. Yeah, um, yeah. So he has a he has pe- previous in this regard, and there is again precedent of an actor being considered in his twenties and then being cast in his late thirties or forties. But he's too famous at this point. He he yeah. he has a major franchise under his belt. Two, two. Yeah, it would, it would just be ludicrous at this point to expect him to take on the James Bond franchise. I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm glad that we have the man from Uncle because that is kind of oh, close to, you know, like that. That's the gayest Bond we will ever see. <laughs> yes. And we get to enjoy, you know, what his Bond would have been like. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, obviously if he did get cast, I would be overjoyed despite the, the things that we would lose in that casting as well. But I agree with you. I think it's unlikely. But yeah, I think if he were cast, he would actually give us some of the humor. He would be a funnier Bond. Absolutely. Which they can make that work. It doesn't have to be campy funny. It can be uh, just like charmingly debonair funny. Rye with a wink. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to move on to what I see as like the str- like the straight line choice. Like if we're going to continue with the Daniel Craig uh, train of thought, then these next four choices fit into this category perfectly. And we'll start with Richard Madden, uh, a Scotsman, gorgeous. We, of course, know him from Game of Thrones uh, and The Bodyguard. Uh, he's only 34, which, uh, so he, he's right in that perfect age range, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he's a great actor. I've always loved him. I loved him as King Rob uh, on Game of Thrones. He was so great in that role. I can see him bringing a darkness uh, and a hands-on quality that we've come to love about this newer iteration of the franchise. Yeah, his youth really goes towards the idea of him being a very action-oriented Bond if he got the role. Um, he is just strikingly handsome and sexy and debonair. Like, I, you know, he would be very good at all of the physical aspects, both the uh, the shagging and the fighting. Um, uh, whether he's too busy, like he's now a Marvel guy, he's got the Eternals movie coming up. Oh, I didn't realize he um, the Eternals. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, I think he's the lead. Um, so he's right, but, it, but also it's a huge ensemble cast, so who knows? Like maybe there isn't a single lead. But I feel like he has one franchise and and maybe you know if they ever do another sort of bodyguard related thing he could be he could be busy but uh i think he would throw it all aside to to take on the james bond role i mean that would be a smart choice for him richard Mann's also someone who could in theory like take the role in like 7 years time and still be totally appropriate absolutely uh, i must say i don't really know who the next two uh gentlemen i'm seeing are before me could you tell me a bit more about sam hewen Sam Hewen is the star of Outlander, um, oh. the the time travel shagging uh, drama. Um, so he plays Jamie, the sort of Highland uh, clan. Oh, clansman's a bad phrase. Uh, clan <laughs> clan leader. Um, I that that still doesn't sound great, but okay, I understand. We're we're talking about Scottish people, not Americans. Understood. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah, and he's been linked to the role a lot. He played a James Bond spoof character, as I think Richard Madden did, um, as a lot of these actors have done. <laughs> so Sam Hewen has been linked to the role a lot. Like he's a very strapping, beefy guy. I think he's quite tall. Um, again, he is Scottish, and uh, and we know that that goes down well in a James Bond. <laughs> but he's forty, so he's he's like aging out a little bit. Uh, yeah, he would be right in the middle of that range where it can become problematic towards the end. You know, if they did, yeah, Daniel Gregg would have just been perfect. You know, they the movies were spaced so far apart. He could have been yeah. in these movies by the time he was 45, and we would have just, we never would have batted an eye about any of the production problems, but so many things yeah. happened that just pushed these movies so far into the future. I feel so bad for the guy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I can see Sam Hewen being right at that age where it would be perfect. Uh, and who is this Jack Loden? Oh my lord. <laughs> right, isn't he stunning? Um, <laughs> Just staring at those eyes. And that hair! He has come up in uh, in a couple of the, like, the bookies sheets, but he's not an actor that's particularly well known. Like, I think the only thing I think I've seen him in is Dunkirk, where he was oh. one, of, one of 30 angelic blonde boys getting blown to pieces. <laughs> we love that. Um, <laughs> So he is, yeah, he's 30 years old. He's also Scottish. Um, so he's right, like, early in his career still. He hasn't been a leading man yet. But, like, look at him. He's peaches and cream, for goodness sakes. Oh, like, he's yeah, going to be, yeah, he's going to be a Ewan McGregor. He's going to be a, a dreamy leading man in something. Um, and I think, again, he, like, the continuity with Daniel Craig, he kind of looks a bit like him, but pretty. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be a nice uh, flashback as it were, uh, to the yeah. uh, to the beginnings of a Bond again. Now, our next big, uh, I think everyone's familiar with, we've already mentioned his name, Tom Hiddleston, an Englishman, 39. Uh, he's gorgeous. I think he would bring uh, that wryness that we talked about uh, yeah. with um, uh, Henry Cavill. He would definitely have that same kind of sensibility, a bit more of a sarcastic Bond, uh, someone who's willing to play a bit more on the screen. And he's right at the right age. But, I mean, we run into this, he might be too famous at this point problem. He might be. Um he did play a very good, you know, spy character in The Night Manager based on the John le Carre novel. So that's his like most Bondian role to mm-hmm. date. But yeah, he is, he would be a very big name casting for Bond. I also have the personal problem that I'm not like, I love Tom Hiddleston. I think he's great, but I don't find him attractive personally. Oh, interesting. I want to be seduced by James Bond. So, so that's a, but that's a very personal reservation. So sorry, Barbara, you, you heard it here first. He's just not Andrew's type. You're going to have to keep looking. Please. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, but I think he would be excellent to do the more sophisticated version. Like his version would absolutely have that natural sophistication and gravitas and intelligence like he would be a very smart bond i don't think yeah. tom hiddleston can play stupid no no he's not a he's not a blunt instrument as daniel craig is he's more of a yeah. calculated tool the next batch i'll just run through them uh four english guys in their 30s to 40s well 40 yeah. uh so dan stevens from uh from downtown abbey 38 an englishman charlie hunnam who is 40 um, and also English, Kit Harrington, 34, Nicholas Holt, 31. Um, let's throw in there Michael Fassbender, who is Irish-German and is 43 and has been mentioned in these roles a lot. Yes. Uh, Jamie Dornan, also Irish, 38. These are all names that get mentioned every single time there is an article about who should be the next <laughs> Bond, whether any of them are credible. Like Fassbender, 
often seemed credible, I would say, is aging out. For a long time was. Uh, yeah, at this point, it's too late, I think. Uh, uh, Nicholas Holt, I don't know that I see it myself, but I wouldn't be shocked if he were cast. No, he looks like he would replace Pierce Brosnan uh, these days. Um and he's gore. I've always loved Nicholas Holt. If you haven't watched the first two seasons of the uh, series Skins from ITV, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommended. He's so great in that show, and it's what kind of brought him uh, into our attention culturally. Uh, but yeah, he these choices—they're all pretty. They're all predictable. I can't yeah. see any of them really making a mark on the franchise that would set them apart from anything we've seen before. I don't know if any of them have like the the, the natural wattage that that would make the role you know shine, uh, which is a terrible thing to say about <laughs> about these very all, talented. Yeah, men. exactly. They're all great actors. Like Dan Stevens, I love watching Dan Stevens. Mm-hmm. He's like he's one of the few reasons to watch Beauty and the Beast, the live action remake. Uh, but- oh, not enough of a reason to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, agree to disagree. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I just I can't see. Uh, they're they're. They're in that middle ground where it's like, well, I've seen their face. I know them, but I can't see them in this role. You know what I mean? Like, it just, if it were going to be them, make it someone we've never heard of. Yeah. Dan Stevens, to me, feels very much like a sort of Bond foil. Oh, that I would love. Yes. He's in the Toby Stevens mold. Like, he's that kind of an actor where you can see him playing an opposite to Bond. Um, Toby Stevens, in fact, does play James Bond in a bunch of the BBC audio dramas. Oh, really? But uh, but is better known to most Bond fans as the villain in Die Another Day, mm. or one of the versions of the villain, I suppose I should say. <laughs> um, and But but does feel like a very natural, like, anti-Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Dan Stevens is a Toby Stevens to me. <laughs> Are they? No relation. Different, oh. <laughs> different of okay, but. thank you. <laughs> I just, I, I had to ask for our listeners, you see. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, now, yes. I'm looking at the rest of our list of the uh, white Englishmen uh, or, or uh, white Europeans who could play. I, I mean, you put Damien Lewis. He was once upon a time uh, rumored to be uh, yeah. for the role. If, he's 49 now. If they cast Damien Lewis as the next James Bond, we'd be like, creaking into the theaters uh, <laughs> yes to, to cast someone actually older than uh roger moore would be shocking yes uh, <laughs> benedict cumberbatch that's another one i really enjoy he's a little too old at this point anyway at 44 but if they had yeah. uh, if they had cast him around the time that he uh started playing sherlock would have been perfect like you know the right level of unknown but like well-trained uh very empathic he would have brought uh that kind of suaveness i think that i would want in uh, that style of bond film doesn't he seem like a villain to you though uh well have you seen the second uh star trek film uh into darkness no he does not it doesn't work (laughs) um i don't know there's something lizard like about him yes lizard but he's supposed to he's an anti-hero he's not a villain (laughs) okay fair enough um who else have we got in here jamie bell has comes up a lot Mm. um i'm not sure that there's like he's I feel like his moment to be a big star came and went, and I don't think we're going to see oh, sorry, that kind Jake. of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Pattinson is Batman now, and yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, I think I think just has a lot of baggage as <laughs> uh, as a sort of brooding uh, love interest type. I really loved him in The Lighthouse. I must say that was. Oh, yeah, I haven't a, seen it. Oh, it's such a dark movie, but I really recommend it. Uh, Richard Armitage, uh, Nicholas Costa Voldo are both 
up at 49, 50 years of age, Jude Law, 48. I think we can rule out all of those guys. Andrew Lincoln, 47. Andrew Lincoln. Matt, remember, uh, Andrew Lincoln hired around the time Love Actually came out would have been great as well. Uh, would have been totally understandable if the, if he had been uh, yeah. James Bond instead of Daniel Craig. Um, but no, now it's too late. Paul Mezcal, I will mention only because I've never seen anything he's in. But he's <laughs> I don't even know who <laughs> He's, he's in some TV drama that's very hot right now, and I don't remember even the name of it. Uh, but he is like swoonily sexy, apparently, and is 24 and is Irish. And so maybe, like, that's someone who, like, 10, 15 years from now could still be in the running for a role like Interesting. This, so. I'm sorry. We're going to have to take a moment while I look up who this is. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Um, But no, you're right. He's a little too young at 24. Yeah. Although he does look a little older. Like, he has a slightly beaten up face, which worked for Daniel Craig, so... Uh, shall we move on to our wildcard contestants for for our whitelist? <laughs> uh, I've picked out some names for people who, some of them have been considered or show up on bookies lists, some of them less so, um, but they all represent sort of different directions that, that Bond could go in, I think, or different identities that while staying safely in the, the white and playing English sort of uh, sphere that is comfortable to the makers of James Bond. Um, <laughs> so I've got here Tom Holland, who another another 24-year-old, um, has been cast in everything at this point, is beloved by everyone, um, and we all want to see that boy succeed and yes. be a huge star. And he is, like, effortlessly. He has just, already been. His career there. is, yeah, his career is fine. Um, but it seems like like if you're a British actor, you, you get considered for, for Bond. Tom Holland is someone who they could cast him tomorrow. They could cast him 10, 12 years from now. Yep, I, I can see that happening. Um, I can also see that never happening. I imagine mm-hmm. Tom Holland is just going to be so successful for the next, you know, 20 years of his life. He might not have the time to devote to something that consumes yeah. your life like James Bond. Absolutely. I think it's actually very unlikely that he will ever play James Bond just because he will never need it. And same with our next pick, Chris Hemsworth. And I, as much as I think this actually, of everyone we've mentioned so far, Chris Hemsworth probably would have been like, the one I would have chosen. Uh, he's at that perfect age. He's 37. Uh, he's Australian, but we know he does accents very well um, mm-hmm. or well enough. Uh, <laughs> usually well enough, but sometimes very well. Uh, and he's gorgeous. He's really funny. He has a very natural charm about him. He fills out a tuxedo better than any human being. Oh my alive. God. He might be one of the <laughs> sexiest people alive on this earth. I am going to put it out there. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I can if if I was going to pick a white person to play James Bond, a white man, I would pick Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely because I think he's too famous. <laughs> he's too famous. He's maybe too Australian. Mm-hmm. Like um, Justin Hartley, I've got in here because he's come up a few times. Um, is a similarly like just stunningly handsome, mm-hmm. blonde, beefy uh, guy, but he's an American. Can an American play James Bond? I think, you know, you have to be really good at the accent and maybe not famous as an American to to do it. I mean, I don't really recognize Justin Hartley, so that last point might be fair. I don't think he's famous enough for me to rule him out. Um, But the American thing, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of my being raised by an American and an English person, but I can spot an accent from a mile away. You can sniff out an American doing an English accent. I just find always find it hard to believe it would be, he would have to be very, very good. 
And, and yeah, maybe doesn't have quite the wattage or the acting chops for it. I put Hugh Jackman in here just because, again, he's someone whose name has been thrown out there a lot. He's maybe the oldest person uh, whose name still gets linked to the role of James Bond. Is this going to be a musical Bond uh, film? <laughs> yeah, I like. There was a time when Hugh Jackman like wouldn't have been a shocking person to cast in the mm-hmm. role. Uh, like the there, was, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think there was ever a time that he would have been my my number one seed. I think at this point. It would be a real shock for someone <laughs> as famous and as old. Sorry to to be ageist. No, but we have to be ageist, don't we? That's the that's the gig. Yeah, um, I'm for this for sure. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I think he's way way out of the running at this point. Um, some more obscure, a couple of obscure boys that I've put in the list here. Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was in the Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh yes, oh he's so gorgeous. I really love so actor. gorgeous. Uh, he's he's tall he's strapping he's beautiful and he's great he is so compelling to watch uh he, yeah the haunting of hill house great show particularly for his performance in it i would love to see that that would be a really cool choice and actually same with this next one i'm just gonna steamroll on love <laughs> luke evans i would love a welsh bond i would love a gay bond and mm-hmm. he is definitely one of the sexiest men alive as well uh would be a perfect choice in my mind although he's 41 he is 41 oh wow yeah but i don't know i think he's he's taken really physical roles as well i can see him doing this yeah, I mean, he is, as you say, he's gay, so he stays fitter than other 41 year Hey, oh, yes. I, mean, I say that as a deeply unfit 40-something. <laughs> Me as a deeply unfit 34-year-old, yeah. <laughs> There's no way so, I could play Bond, but I <laughs> highly recommend others could. <laughs> uh, Dima Fetcher, I've thrown in here. He's also Welsh. He's also gay. Huh. Um, he is stunningly attractive he is i don't know who this is he's completely unknown <laughs> um like i mean he has been in things but he's been in like british tv dramas ah, yes um so he could have a breakthrough any minute but he's very open about being a gay man and and so i feel like like i i hope we're at the point where a gay man can play james bond and we don't have to have that stupid conversation oh, about women you know can women see themselves falling in love with this character if he's played by a gay man can you be gay and play a straight role will people yeah. will people want that yeah that's so that's so passé that's such so passé uh, when you con- when you consider how many uh closeted gay men have been some of our favorite uh straight film stars like Marlon Brando Montgomery Clift mm-hmm. James Dean mm-hmm. Rock Hudson they all like to bone men at the very least and and uh, they have always successfully portrayed straight men in films without anyone ever questioning it. So we can yeah. put that to rest and you can be gay and play a straight person. And frankly, I think maybe now we should talk about it. Can we have a gay James Bond or, uh, you know, a, se- a sexually fluid James Bond, even someone who doesn't care? We've kind of teased that in some of the Daniel Craig movies, but just breeze past it you know yeah i would love to kind of embrace that in bond uh you know we don't have to make the story about the fact that he is a gay bond but wouldn't it just be wonderful if one of the people he seduces is a bond boy instead of a bond girl yeah i mean some of these actors could play that bond boy (laughs) (laughs) the fact that i think that the studio is too conservative to cast a gay actor in the role means that i really don't think we're at the place where they're going to cast uh where they're going to write bond as an actually queer character oh you're certainly Um, right there (laughs) but i would love it like i mean i i think i think the world is ready for a a bond style character who is queer i've you know i've often thought about 
how I would write that character. Yeah, same. Uh, given the opportunity. So yeah, I think, you know, let's, let's beg the universe to deliver something like that to deliver it in the bond franchise would be sublime. Um, give us a, you know, give us a gay bond. Yes. But even a gay Phoenix lighter would be nice. You know, agreed. agreed. Um, there's, there's, there's some wiggle room that, and we think maybe we have a queer cue right now, but again, it hasn't been established on the screen. So let's uh, move on to the new class of thought for James. You're going to skip right past Harry Styles there, aren't you? Oh, you don't even I don't really want to give it the air. I forgot about Harry at the end. Uh, look, Harry Styles, we love, he's gorgeous. He's, he's fluid himself, but. I don't know. It's Harry Styles. He's a singer. Sure, he's funny, and sure, he's what, what was he on Saturday Night Live or something? He he can he can be on screen and he can pull it off. But is he <laughs> James Bond? Certainly not. No, I agree with you. But it does get talked about a lot, so I feel like we had to talk about it. And honestly, if you wanted to have a Bond boy, maybe Harry Styles is the perfect Bond boy. Love that. Also, give Harry Styles the job of writing the next Bond song. Oh my God, I would love to hear a Harry Styles Bond thing. Oh, that would be fun. It would be a bit. It would definitely be a bit more upbeat than Sam Smith. All right, now we can get into the new class. These are the actors who wouldn't be normally considered for Bond because they are women or people of color. But we might be moving into an age where these people do get put on the list of, of, of auditionees or Yay! we hope that we've reached that at that point in history and so the first two names i put on here are the two that have been the most talked about but mm. for different reasons idris elba who is now 48 has been linked to the bond role and has been the sort of the totemic oh if they're going to make bond black then they're going to give it to idris elba like and idris elba we know has had conversations with the with the studio about it um and has also ruled himself out at this point but i think in a sort of oh stop asking me (laughs) (laughs) Um, no never (laughs) and the other name i put at the top of this list is lashana lynch who is the character of nomi in no time to die who is is maybe the new 007 in no time to die that is the rumor that's gone around so she could be the new 007 even if she's not the new bond so i feel like what they're trying to do with Lashana Lynch is what they tried to do unsuccessfully with Halle Berry in Die Another mm-hmm. Day, which is create a spinoff. Uh, Jinx Jordan uh, from Die Another Day, Halle Berry's character, uh, they wanted uh, that to be their first foray into um, a different franchise set within the Bond universe. It was pretty widely talked about at the time, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and obviously that didn't work out because that film was a flop and it was horrible and Halle Berry was particularly awful in it. I'm sorry, Halle. Uh, you're one of my last uh, heteronormative crushes and you'll always be one of my favorite women, but I that movie was not it. Uh, but uh, ever since uh, they kind of outed Lashana Lynch as playing the, the role of 007 in No Time to Die, uh, it's really been talked about that uh, she may be the star of the next 007 film. They didn't say the next yeah. James Bond film. They said she may be the next star of a 007 film. So I think it's a very real possibility that they are actually exploring the idea of making a Bond film without a James Bond. Which sounds fascinating. We haven't seen this character yet. We don't know what sort of a character she is, apart from what we've seen in the trailer. I mean, she seems awesome in the trailer. But the the question then is, do you just carry on the franchise within that continuity with this character? Or do you have a 007 movie and a James Bond movie side by side? Like, how does it work? And and they must have an idea, but how committed are they to that idea? Because 
Well, they sold MGM, so they can't be too committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're selling MGM. I don't think it has, does it have a new owner already. I don't think so. Oh, right, you're right. Sorry, they are in the process of selling it, and but that does also mean that the like their properties are being sold as well. So yeah. who knows what happens when uh, it's in the hands of a new owner uh, if they decide to pursue whatever it is that they're trying to set up over at a. Uh, who produces Bond these days besides MGM? It's not Eon. Uh, United Artists. United Artists, thank you. Yeah, we don't know what the future holds, but I I mean, I enjoy Lashana Lynch as an actor. I think she's phenomenal. Um, I hope that the character of Nomi is uh, everything we want her to be, especially if it's true that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the one that's written a lot of, of her scenes in her dialogue. Um, I think she, you know, there's a lot of potential there. Idris Elba, I think we we have to give up on Idris Elba yeah. at this point. He's 48. He's, you know, that's just, he's he's pushing the age limit on the Bond character, not in real life, because look at, a, look at this picture of him and tell me <laughs> that he is not the perfect man. Man. Uh, he is absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. He may be. He may wear a suit the best on this entire planet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I. And as physical an actor as he is, and as expressive as an actor he is, he was just in that um, Fast and the Furious spinoff movie, Hobbs and Shaw. And you know what? He does a great job in it. It's, it's, it's a terrible movie, but he does a great job in it. Uh, yeah. But I mean that that's like that's it for him. Uh, lots of CGI. Lots of. Uh, Lots of wires and cables and, you know, quippy one-liners, but I don't see James Bond in his future anymore. Now, the next choice, however, I think is fascinating and would be awesome, particularly considering uh, the level of stardom he already has. John Boyega, what a great choice. Yeah, I mean, I adore John Boyega. He's such a phenomenal actor, such a handsome man. Um and uh, yeah, I think he would be an amazing James Bond. Like the biggest thing going against him, I mean, apart from the fact that he is pretty starry at this point, is also he's quite opinionated. And I don't know <laughs> that MGM UA would be like willing to, like he was in a Disney franchise and has been outspoken and brilliantly outspoken. Um, and I hope that that never harms his career. I hope it goes, he goes from success to success. Um, I can see a franchise being a little nervous about taking him on uh, because if they mess up, he's going to tell them and he's going to tell us. <laughs> well, that's kind of the new world we live in where people, uh, particularly uh, people of color, black people, uh, indigenous people are feel uh, like they can't, that now is the moment where they actually can speak up and that, yeah. they're, and they're finally being heard. So yes, all of our love on this podcast goes to John Boyega and thank yes. you, sir, for, continuing to fight the good fight for equity and in the system um yeah i think he'd make a fantastic choice but you're right he is a risky choice from a studio standpoint yeah yeah i can't think of anyone i would be more excited to see in the james bond role same here um so let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, the next choice, though, also great. I'll let you introduce him. Yeah, Henry Golding, who is uh, 33, is English-Malaysian, came to fame in Crazy Rich Asians, was, was a TV presenter before that. Oh, you know that. Um, but has been great in everything I've seen him in, um, is like so handsome and suave and charming. Um, he's tremendously likable. Like That's maybe the only thing against him, is that he's almost like too... <laughs> cozy like he's yeah. he's he's 
he has a sweetness to him that you're like, oh, you're not going to shoot me, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he can play like a harder edge. I mean, he was in a very bad Guy Ritchie, a very bad, very racist Guy Ritchie movie where he was playing more of a gangster character. But even then, it was a comedy role. So Interesting. But I think Henry Golding would be great. And like... Asian actors have not been mentioned much in relation to the Bond role, though we have a couple more on the list that maybe I'll throw in uh, since we're here. Mm -hmm. Dev Patel, who is 30, and Riz Ahmed, who is 38, both English actors whose names have come up occasionally, both incredible talents. Yes. Um, and if you were going to go with a person of color, then going with a South Asian actor makes a lot of sense just for the, the history of immigration and culture in the, the UK. Yeah, the ties to, uh, you know, the colonial colonialist yeah. empire. But also, I mean, they are, they are, yeah, like you said, historically strong ties between the countries. Uh, Dev Patel, I've always loved. Um, I've, I can't believe I'm mentioning Skins twice in one episode, but he was also <laughs> in those first two seasons of Skins with Nicholas Holt. Uh, and that's what I really fell in love with him and his you know, his career just rocketed from that point. Uh, what a fantastic pick that would be. He's so, so charming and so lovely. He'd bring a real uh, depth of emotion to the role. Yeah, Dev Patel is such a phenomenal actor who I think his career is just going to keep growing and growing. Uh, your next pick, though, uh, or your next pick, the, the next person on the list, uh, I am very intrigued by Jodie Comer. I, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with her. So Jodie Comer is uh, one of the two stars of Killing Eve. Oh, of course. And so that's why she's in here, really, because she has played a spy character. Mm -hmm. She is like a very brilliant young actor who is uh, mercurial, uh, athletic, compelling, like very magnetic to watch on the screen. And because she's worked with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, that mm -hmm. also gives a connection. Like, wouldn't we love to see Phoebe Waller-Bridge maybe take over the, 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 the reins of the Bond franchise with the next movie? Well, if she did, then Jodie Comer would be a great fit and is one of those women who feels just like a very comfortable fit for the Bond role. Like she's very sexy. Mm -hmm. She's very smart. She's very white. <laughs> she's very she's white and she's English. <laughs> so she picks two of the boxes very well. Um, and I think she can do the physical role and she can be a believable killer. Like that's actually a mm. thing that. Yeah, no, that's very important. You know, she's played an assassin and so she would be playing one again. We do not condone gun violence here on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, at all. But yeah, the role of James Bond is inherently violent. And so you need someone who can sell us that violence uh, and who we still end up liking at the end of the day, at the end of the film. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. You know, I would, I hope that they would never change it so that they call it a Jane Bond film. I feel like that has been mentioned so often in the popular discourse of this topic. Um, right. On Star Trek, my other love, please listen to uh, Worse in the Borg. Uh <laughs> The main character's name is Michael Burnham, played by Sonequa Martin-Green. And, you know, no one really bats an eyelash at uh, someone with a name that is typically gendered one way uh, being used for someone of uh, technically the opposite, we'll say in quotes, gender. Uh, yeah. I, I would love to see a female James Bond. Yeah, I don't think there should be any issue with that name. I'm sure there are many uh, women with the name James. Absolutely. In the world. My, uh, shout out to my cousin, James. <laughs> um daniel kaluuya he's next on the list uh best known from get out also in black panther uh is just like one of the big british actors on the on the rise also a fantastic actor obviously uh brilliant job in both of those films uh beautiful to look at that blue suit with the black trim absolutely gorgeous 
the fact that actors like John Boyega and Daniel Kaluuya get to wear the nicest tuxedos because it looks so much better uh, on them than it does on some pale white boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get to wear a really nice tuxedo if you're a black James Bond. That's all I'm going to say. Amen. <laughs> great list so far. I love all of these last few choices. Any one of them would be great. And now I think we head into kind of the outliers of the outliers, people who yeah. you know have not been uh, talked about pretty publicly, uh, well, maybe, except for maybe one, um, but who I think are all really interesting, cool choices that would breathe real energy and fresh life into this franchise. Let's start with Will Sharp. Uh, they're 34, Japanese-English, absolutely gorgeous. Stunning, yeah. he. I don't know if you've seen him in anything. He's, the only thing you might have seen him in, I think, is Giri Haji, which is a, a show that's on Netflix where he plays an Anglo-Japanese rent boy. And it's a very sexy, mercurial role. He's a, he's a writer as well as an actor, and he seems to be a very sharp, opinionated person. He won a BAFTA last year for his role in, in Giri Haji. And yeah, we. I don't think, again, uh, East Asian actors don't often get linked to the role of James Bond, but I think uh, he would be amazing in the role um, and would bring something very different. And yes, in this photo that I've shared with you, uh, he's wearing lipstick and I think maybe some eyeliner. There is a queerness to Walsh. I don't know if he's queer, but he's played queer on screen uh, with a a great persuasiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has an energy uh, where he can embody femme in a beautiful way. So I think he would make for one of the most exciting James Bonds imaginable. Very exciting. Uh, and our, uh, our the next person on our list uh, is just, as we're speaking, is quickly rising to fame uh, thanks to uh, the new Netflix show, Bridgerton, uh, Roger Jean Page. Roger Jean Page. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the French and then the English. (laughs) It's so hard to go from Roger Jean to Page. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also Canadian. Give me a a little break. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Reggie Jean Page was, in fact, recently asked about playing the role of Bond. His response was, if you're a Brit and you do something of any kind of renown <laughs> that people regard well, then people start saying the B word. It's like a merit badge. You get the B word merit badge, Aww. which is such a smart, like, he understands the industry he's in. Um, but let's be clear here. Reggie Jean Page, 30 years old, just one of the most beautiful men in the world right now would be an effortlessly perfect James Bond. Oh like, yeah, would slide right into that role. Oh, he can slide into anything he likes. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's stunningly gorgeous. If you want a Bond that is sexy, then then Regis Jean Page, uh, and and one you know he can act as well. Like he's brilliant. I think he would be so perfect. Agreed. Um, another one on our outliers of outliers list: Emily Blunt, uh, who we mm-hmm. all know and love. Famously, Devil, Wear, Devil Wears Prada, the Live, Die, Repeat film. Fantastic actor. Uh, always so compelling, so funny, so charming, so sexy. One of the, you know, one of our uh, women, uh, female uh, Bonds who would seamlessly fit into that role. We've seen her do action before, uh, but mm, I don't know. She, to me, she's just a little wispy. Uh, and mm. there, there, there's a couple other wispy people on this list, like Harry Styles. I, yes. I just couldn't see either of them uh, picking up this role uh, and having the kind of gravitas that someone like, you know, Daniel Kaluuya or uh, or Daniel Craig have. I think if, you know, given her age and her credentials and 
the roles she's played in the past. If Emily Blunt were a man, I think she would have this sewn up. Honestly. Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> I think she feels like a very James Bond actor. I can see her being being able to play all of the parts of a James Bond, uh, the f- sophistication, the, the, the cruelty, the, the charm, very, very well. And I think the fact that she is a woman is the only thing actually that counts against her. Um, but also I do think she might be a little too big for the role at this point. Mm, very true. And the last name I've thrown out here is a is the wildest of the wild cards in some ways, and that is the Riverdale star KJ Apa, who is twenty three, is a Samoan New Zealander, so he is he's both a person of color and a Commonwealth person, though he uh, plays the very white Archie Andrews on Riverdale, of course. And I think he looks so much like a young Sean Connery that that actually oh you're so like, right. That's kind of the reason I've thrown him into this list is I almost don't want him to play Bond. I want him to play Sean Connery <laughs> in a biopic. <laughs> Love. It. Yeah, nothing would ruin. Uh, nothing would make Sean Connery roll in his grave more than a person of color playing him in film. <laughs> yeah, and, and someone that plays a like a, a teen on a teen show. <laughs> Love it. Oh, he would be serious. <laughs> so I don't think KJ Apo is in the running. I don't think his name has come up. But I'm I'm putting the energy out there into the world. He's another one who, like, 15 years from now, let's see what direction his career takes. Yeah, I, I can see that happening for him. He's a great young actor, uh, and maybe 23 is too young right now, but like you said, uh, give it some time, and he might actually be officially in the running. Uh, some other names that I've uh, I've put just at the bottom of the list here, um, all people who I think have been mentioned as possibilities. I have seen uh, those, yes. Chiretel Ejiofor, uh, David Ayelowo, um, Ashley Walters, these are all black British actors. Uh, who have been mentioned as you know, both as a potential Bond as like and as like the next Idris Elba, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. And then some more women that have been considered for the role. Gillian Anderson has been talked about a lot. She's in her fifties now, um, so it seems like that's probably too too late for her. Angelina Jolie, who is forty five, and also I don't quite get why she's been mentioned so often in connection to the role. I guess because she's Tomb Raider. Such a- <laughs> yeah, she's done a lot of action roles. She did Salt. Uh, you know, she's she she could play the role physically, but I don't think she's right otherwise. And she certainly can't do the accent. We've heard it. it doesn't work. <laughs> That's true. And then Claire Foy, um, and I'll mention Josh O'Connor here as well. Actually, oh. both of the uh, the young sort of heartthrobs from The Crown mm-hmm. um, could be in the conversation. Claire Foy, though, if you're talking about delicate. Claire Foy is as yeah. delicate as <laughs> Or at least what we've seen her in so far. <laughs> yes, yes. By all means, surprise me, Claire Foy. Uh, smack that nonsense out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no one there stands out as sort of the natural choice, especially because like David Yellowo is 44, Chimital Edge 4 is 43. Time is up for most of these people. Yeah. That's <laughs> so harsh. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. Well, we have to. We have to make decisions here. This is very important. You're right. They've given us this responsibility, and we have to take it seriously. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about what a James Bond? movie looks like with the supporting cast yeah because you know we think that there needs to be more diversity obviously in the bond world even if they cast another uh straight white dude there is room for for fleshing things out and we've seen them do that in fact with the daniel craig movies mm-hmm. so is there more they could be doing and maybe the biggest question of all do you keep the supporting cast you have if you change the person playing james bond we did it with judy dench uh we've done it with with you know the m's and the q's many mm-hmm. times over can it be done again? 
or do you kick everyone out and start over? So, I mean, that will depend on the direction of the film. If this is a period uh, piece Bond yeah. film, obviously, I think we need a brand new cast of characters. Um, but that also, then you run into the problem, if this is set in 1950s, 1960s, are we going to have a lot of POC Black people in these roles? Right. I mean, historically, they would not necessarily be on the front lines like this. Um, so we would have to take, you know, some creative license to bring them into the fold which i'm i'm obviously for i don't i don't give a fuck about uh putting black people in roles where they may not have uh, necessarily been 50 years in the past i yeah. think that's a good thing um and actually probably more accurate even though that's not what we've seen portrayed in popular culture so yes if we're doing a period piece we need new characters if however we're continuing on in the present day with the new james bond i don't know i absolutely love ben wishaw i absolutely yeah. love naomi harris i don't know if i want to see them leave yet i think we've only just started to see what they can do in these roles yeah i agree with you you know even um ray fines i think has got more m to give although you know we we will see all of these characters played by these actors one more time mm -hmm. still maybe that will um, be enough maybe um but i think they all like do a great job and especially like ben wishaw i i just i don't i want him to be q forever me too <laughs> let him be like the next desmond llewellyn just keep him until yeah. he's like you know rotting away in front of our eyes <laughs> felix leiter that's another character that you know we've said before jeffrey white is the first actor to play the character twice yes um, <laughs> It's, it's a role that always gets recast. It could be a good place to maybe, as I said, add a queer character. Q should be queer. Felix should be queer. That's that's my position on these things. But then I don't know. We haven't been told what Jeffrey Wright's version of Felix, what he's into. So oh, fair. Maybe we already do. Yeah. <laughs> there could be revelations there. We, we could we could meet Felix's boyfriend in the next movie. Oh well, he is in the next film, so you know we can hold out hope. I love that. I've mentioned a few other like characters that are sort of part of the the expanded roster of mm -hmm. Bond's universe. So uh, Deltana, Mathis, uh, Tiger Tanaka, who I think only ever appeared in one movie, but feels like a character that that has more uh, to give. Absolutely. Uh, Gogol, who is the uh, the Russian sort of head of intelligence, ah, yes. is in so many of the uh, the Roger Moore movies, mm -hmm. um, and Quarrel, who also only appears in one movie, but then Paul Junior shows up in another movie, and is and at least a few of the novels. Yeah, and and is kind of yeah, is an iconic sort of ally. These ally roles, like we people don't think of them as as key in the same way as they do M and Q um but i think there is room to expand those roles within the future bond universe and in those roles there is there is diversity like tiger tanaka and and quarrel are people of color to begin with yes. um the other characters could easily be um tana has been played by so many different actors yes <laughs> yeah i would love to really um give these side characters more i mean we're, we will talk plenty about the novels in the future but these yeah. characters are actually pretty fleshed out and they have histories and it would be nice to see some of that reflected in the movies which so often just rush past them as set pieces as opposed to actual uh you know chess pieces that they are then there's the there's always room for new villains new love interests new hench people i've put Ooh, the yeah. phrase person fatale love that. In here. <laughs> you know, we talked about maybe a queer bond. That would mean that having some some uh, more diverse love interests, including that person fatale, these are the places where you can diversify. But also there's 
it's loaded when you diversify these roles. Like you have to be very careful about what you do with a Bond villain, um, what you say about about uh, the world yes. when you're casting those roles. And I think that's why you want to balance it out by casting more diversely in the in the allies and supporting cast and the role of Bond himself okay. or herself. All right, one of the biggest questions here. Do we need a Bond extended universe? What do you think? <laughs> As we mentioned, MGM is up for sale right now. I don't think it's found a buyer, not, certainly not at the time of this recording. The, the, la- the media landscape is changing in a really big way, and I think whoever buys MGM is going to want to look for the potential of expanding James, James Bond as a property. Of course. Um, which means not just a movie every three years. You know, the, the Star Wars is much bigger than that. The Marvel Universe is much bigger than that. The Warner Brothers DC uh, franchises are much bigger than that. And Bond is the only other like franchise that's up there that that could so easily be turned into this this sort of rich multi-thread universe and it's never been done no like we've never seen a successful expanding of the bond franchise you mentioned the the jinx spin-off that got like a certain degree like it, it got a certain distance before they killed it it, it wasn't just a, a rumor it was it was something they wanted to make mm-hmm. um i think it was actually a studio sale that killed that Oh yes, uh, and of course the fact that the movie wasn't wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think a lot of the momentum maybe fizzled out. Um, so I'm open to it, though. To be honest, the idea of having like a Bond streaming TV show, like streaming is the future. It's a prestige channel now to have things on streaming. To have like your Disney Plus, your Netflix show. So why not have something an uh, MI6 TV show? Yeah, I I yeah. can absolutely see that happening. And maybe yeah, maybe it isn't Bond centric, but maybe it is uh un- like Bond universe centric, which is totally fine. And you're right, Bond at this time in our cultural identity belongs on TV like all of the other uh, you know, legacy franchises that we have it would fit very well uh there needs to be good action tv out there i'm so sick of the ncis's and law and orders and uh cop shows that just proliferate and don't add anything to uh our cultural identity i i want i want that to be bond (laughs) and you know the way that disney is handling both the marvel and the star wars franchises they have destigmatized the idea of the sort of the TV spin-off. Mm-hmm. They have learned how to balance like the the continuities of these things. Like we're about to have the One Division show, the Loki show, that are way more integral to the movies than the shows like Shield or Daredevil were in previous iterations Absolutely. of Marvel. There's no reason, no longer a reason, I think, to be scared of that stuff or to think that it's cheapening the franchise. So something like a Nomi, like if Nomi doesn't get movies, then maybe she gets a TV show. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? A Lashana Lynch TV show. Oh. Yeah. And there are characters like Felix, like I mean, Money Penny to give Naomi Harris her own TV show would be amazing. Um, I've thrown out a couple of other ideas here. A young M TV show. I think Emily Blunt as a young Judy Dench. Um, oh my god, that would be so fun! Oh. That would be my dream—a period Emily Blunt spy show, uh, a Pussy Galore show. Oh my god! Oh wow, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. Yeah, wouldn't <laughs> that be great? That would be um, and and it is a way that you can do uh, a period version of Bond in parallel with the movies. If like the movies mm. are the next whoever replaces Daniel Craig, and then on TV you have say Aiden Turner doing period Bond, and these two things don't have to cannibalize each other. 
you can do the lower budget novel adaptations on TV very easily. That is a great idea. I hope that someone producing these films is listening to us right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also thought, like, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, a show aimed at children about Q in his lab coming up with new (laughs) gadgets and watching them, like, misfire and not working properly, and then at the end you get to see one of them do the thing that it's meant to do? Just throwing that out there, I would love a uh, a young person's Q TV show. Q's Playhouse. Q's Playhouse. I'm in for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's interesting. The idea of doing kids' TV. You know, I, I do think like you could do a young Bond like a prequel series very easily, but they've kind of like that's the one area where James Bond Jr. That is actually, you know, I say there have been no spin-offs, and there has been actually one, and it's the cartoon James Bond Jr. I mean, and, and also there have been like the Money Penny novels. Like there, right. there is there's stuff out there in the world. But, but yeah, nothing on the scale that we're talking about. So, and yeah, James Bond Jr. was his nephew, I think, rather than a young James Bond. Correct, but, um, yeah. But there's potential for, for that stuff. You know, a young adult sort of spin. Charlie Hickson wrote actually a series of novels that would be the perfect basis for, for that kind of spin-off. Ooh. So when do we think we're going to find out about any of this? <laughs> well... Yeah, that's the big question. So we think No Time to Die is going to come out in April. I say we think. We don't know. Like, no. that's when it's scheduled for. Um, you know, I'm not going to have had the vaccine by April, am I? Oh, I no. So I'm not going into a theater. And do I watch it on streaming if I have to? I guess I do, but like. Not ideal. I, I don't even know if that's going to happen. Like, who, who can say? I think the movie is going to get pushed back again, honestly. And if it does, then we don't get an announcement until next year. For the next James Bond. That's what I see happening. I imagine a November release, uh, two years past the point it was supposed to actually come out. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, maybe a February, March 2022 announcement on some casting details. I'm so impatient. Me too. I know. I want this now. I've been waiting years for this. I've been waiting years for this damn movie. And I still want to know what happens next. It's so much waiting. <laughs> Our lives so- have been put on hold by this damn virus. <laughs> If only there were a hero out there that could could shoot this virus in the head. <laughs> I know where we could find one. I've got a list of people <laughs> up for the role. Oh, oh, great. Let's just say then, if, if you had to pick someone from this list, who do you think it's going to be and who do you want it to be? I can easily see them picking from one of our first uh, eight choices. These are the really well-known white actors, uh, mm-hmm. mostly English, some Irish, a bunch of Scottish. Uh I really see them choosing someone like Richard Madden. Actually, yeah, that's who I I I would not be surprised if they come out saying Richard Madden is the next James Bond. Uh, he looks like the role, sounds like the role. He's done the role in other things. Uh, it would be easy. Uh, it's not what I want, however. Uh, I have two choices for who I want. If we're going to go old school and it uh, is going to be a white person, Luke Evans. Uh, 100%, no question about it, Luke Evans would be my choice. Uh, He's gorgeous, he's gay, he's suave, he's sexy, he's rough, he is what I want. And my uh, second, well, my equal choice, but if I was allowed to pick someone who was black or a person of color, I'm a little torn. I want to say John Boyega, but we discussed he might just be too famous. And so I think Daniel Kaluuya would be an amazing choice for the next James Bond. He would be the unexpected choice 
and I think he would excel in it. I bent it. I made it three, but those would be my choices. Very fair. I think I agree with you. I think Richard Madden is who I mm-hmm. think they want. And I think James Norton is the bookie's favorite for a reason. I think if it turns yeah. out to be James Norton, you know, he's right at that level of fame where they could very comfortably like own him. So James Norton is very plausible for that reason. In terms of who I want, yeah, John Boyega is up there. You know, if I had complete control, then John Boyega's my guy. Reggie Jean Page, I think would be would be up there as well a lot of our la- our outlier picks i really love um yeah dev patel yeah. i would absolutely love to see henry golding i would absolutely love to see um kj mm-hmm. appa all all great choices and uh you know what let's if uh you were going to have a female an afab or a femme bond who would you want that to be i mean i think i want lashana lynch to to somehow hold on to that, you know, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know what, but but if she can play 007, then great, I'm all for it. Yeah, I am a hundred percent in agreement. That would have been my choice too. Yeah. We have looked into the future of the James Bond movie franchise, and next time on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we are going back to the beginning mm-hmm. for our third movie episode. We are tackling the original Bond movie, Doctor No with Sean Connery in the leading role. The highlights, the lowlights, the glamour, the queerness, the red stripe lager, and the awful yellow face casting. I'm guessing we're going to have a lot to say. Oh, we certainly are. I cannot wait to get to it. Um, we are going to have some great cocktail picks for you. Uh, we're going to have a great time with Dr. No. Uh, you, of course, can follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on Twitter and Instagram at KKBBPod, or send us lovely messages at KissKissBangBangPod at gmail.com. You can also follow our individual Twitter accounts uh, at Wheeler uh, and at Shane Came Back. Please, of course, share, like, rate, and review Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. Our graphics are provided by the incredibly talented Carl Shura. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Shura. That's S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. Of course, we like to end every episode with a great piece of Bond-related music. Andrew, what are we signing off with this week? So, because all episode we've been talking about reinventing Bond, it seemed fitting to choose with one of my favourite arrangements of Monty Norman's classic and eponymous James Bond theme. The artists are Fanfara Chaukalia, a 12-piece Romani brass band from Moldavia, Uh, Their high-energy take on the theme is truly optimistic and full of joy, and it makes me want to get up and dance. When we think about the future, let's always be thinking about our next chance to dance, even if no one's watching. theme (laughs) love these horns it's such fun let the future be as fun as this please thanks for listening and until next time kiss kiss bang bang